we are, uh, <laughs> I hate to feel like I'm, 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 I'm really a genius here. It's like when I say we are at an inflection point, a time when we can radically go one way or another. I'm talking about January 17th, 2021. Uh, call the roll, I guess. Pandemic, protests, racial strife, economic upheaval, political issues. Um, to borrow from uh, Professor Nystrom, uh, who uh, presented last week uh, regarding these issues, but as he was speaking about the pandemic, but I'll apply it to everything that we're experiencing now, it's not new. None of this is new. It's just new to us. It's, it's just new to us. Um, it's unsettling. It's upsetting. Um, I could just read your Facebook and Instagram posts and see where you're coming from. Um, it's disturbing your peace. Uh, but this is not new. This is just new to us. But I'm convinced, you know, like that proverbial frog that uh, they say, I've never, <laughs> thankfully for the frog, I've never tried to do it, uh, that will allow itself to be slowly boiled to death if you just ratchet up the heat uh, a little bit, incrementally. Uh, we seem to adopted, either knowingly uh, or unwittingly, a belief that all was well. We believed that, you know, all was well. Yeah, things weren't exactly perfect, but it wasn't that bad, right? You know, uh, we had jobs, we had cars, a uh, place to live. I mean, my goodness, we even had YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. I mean, what's not to like? We had stuff. We have Match.com, we have eHarmony. Until 2020, everything was good, right? Right, everything was good until 2020. Uh, let me ask a question. Who are we? Who, who are we? Who am I? Who are you? That's a, that, that really is not a rhetorical question. It's a, I'd like you to seriously ponder that question. Who are you? Who am I? Who are we um, collectively and individually? On a sobering note, I know, Pastor Meeks can always throw in one Debbie Downer in, uh, every week. Uh, I'm in the process of laying out my, what we call a, a funeral program. I'm in the process of doing that. And I would suggest you do the same. Why? It needs to get done. And you don't wanna leave it for someone else to do. So in addition to stuff like which songs I'd like sung, you know, is really a serious consideration of the part we call the legacy of life. You know that little dash before the birth date and the expiration date? You know that, that little dash, that, that line in between. If you were to write yours, how would it read? If you were to write yours, how would it read? Um, 
I've read and written uh, more than a couple. And believe me, they run the spectrum. <laughs> they run the spectrum. She was a phenomenal scientist. He was a avid golfer. Uh, they regularly donated blood. They worked, uh, you know, they built homes for Habitat for Humanity. They volunteered for charitable organizations. As we begin our systematic study of the letter to the church at Rome, we read a prescript of sorts. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. I've shared this when we've unpacked other of the uh, uh, other Paul, uh, others of Paul's letters, first second Timothy, different ones. Uh, unlike today, it was standard lettered writing uh, in that time to identify yourself up front. And I like it. It's like you don't have to guess who this letter is coming from. You know, it's kind of like, who's dear Mark? And they start talking and it's like, okay, well, let me flip to the end. I know for those of you, those of you that were born uh, after 1980, letters are those pieces of paper that you, uh, you, you, you took a pen to and, and you actually put it in an envelope and you put a stamp on it. That, those are letters. Uh, emails, it's, it's, it's a lot easier. You got that up front. You got the, the to and the from right up front. Uh, we won't get very far today, so don't worry about shouldn't have to worry about time today. It's like, uh, I want to focus our attention on just the first verse. Paul. Paul. Last week, uh, Professor Nystrom uh, shared background on Paul's writing of the letter. And we will see as we unpack the letter that included, it included both a desire to stop over in Rome on a planned or desired journey to Spain, as well as he was soliciting the prayers, the, the, the sincere prayers of the Roman church as he was headed, uh, he was the bag man, so to speak. He, he was carrying the financial donations from, uh, 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 from Greece and he was going down to uh, um, uh, Jerusalem uh, to support uh, the saints there. But beyond this, it seems that Paul's primary purpose in writing Romans was, and I'm quoting one theologian as he, uh, as he wrote, to minister to the believers in Rome for whom he had an apostolic responsibility. He wanted to ensure that their understanding of the gospel was such that they would constitute an acceptable sacrifice to God, consecrated by the Holy Spirit, end quote. That's not a small thing. That's huge. And it requires a level of investment 
and forthrightness that too often we as believers, we don't want to go there. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you what I know. Uh, you know and I know that to invest in the well-being of others costs. It costs a lot. Uh, it costs with our children. It costs with our spouses. It costs with anyone that we genu genuinely care about. It costs. How does it cost? First, there's the basic, there's just a basic time element. See, there's only 24 hours, you know, the Beatles may sing about eight days a week, but there's only 24 hours a day, and there are seven days in a week, and that's it. So intentionally or unintentionally, directly or indirectly, we choose how our time and energy is spent. That's a choice. Either, 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 it's either a choice by default or it's a choice by intentionality. But second, discipling that spiritual investment is a full-bodied endeavor. As I shared when we were over in Marina Vista, and I shared when we first moved over here to North Oak Park, it requires, it's, it's like wrestling a pig in a mud pen in terms of you're gonna get muddy. If you're going to invest in with someone, you're gonna get muddy. You're going, it's going to require a full inv investment. It can't be half done. Either you are going to do it or you are not. And the fundamental component of discipling others is opening yourself up to examination. If you're going to disciple others, you're going to open, by default, you're going to open yourself up to examination. See, there is, there, there is a level of objectivity with discipleship, you know? It's like a football coach. Here, let me show you how to catch a ball. Let me show you how to tackle. Let me, let me, let me show you that. But at some point, in order for learning to be complete, you have to get in there and it's like, here, 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 let me show you. Let me tackle you. Let me throw the ball to you. Let me, let me work with you in such a way so that you understand on a personal level, what it takes, uh, where the teacher opens up to the student and shares, this is how I did it, and this is how you can do it too. I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. Pastor Meeks, that's a lot to ask. I don't have the time, and truth be told, I really don't have the desire. I got my own issues. Uh, plus that, I have a past, and honestly, I don't want to share the things that I've done and the things that I've experienced. I understand. I understand. Paul had a past. But unlike most, Paul didn't attempt to hide it. In his letter to his protege, Timothy, he called himself what? The worst of sinners. He let the person he was discipling, this is who I am. I'm not a nice guy. <laughs> I, 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 I'm the worst of sinners. Before he was Paul, he was Saul. And the ninth chapter of Acts tells us that he was about threatening and killing those that, that dared to confess Christ. That was Saul. Now Paul, the same person, different name. But in that same ninth chapter, we read where Jesus makes it known to Ananias that Paul was a chosen instrument to proclaim Christ to the Gentiles and their leaders, as well as to the Jews. Or to put it another way, 
his past frame, but did not constrain what God wanted to do with him. It, his past framed what he was doing, what he was called to do, but it did not constrain what God had planned for his life. I hear you, Pastor, what's your point? My point is too often we can become stymied or stuck in our past. Uh, but we need to remember that old adage, we're more than the worst thing that we've ever done. We are more than the worst thing we've ever done. I won't tell you the worst thing, I mean, because the list is long, and you, and you might just like, I ain't going to city church anymore. <laughs> it's like, that's Pastor Meeks? <laughs> well, what did he do? Probably the same stuff you did. Probably the same stuff you did. All right. Uh, I'm sure that Paul understood his Saul, but he also understood his Paul. But he did not allow his Saul to limit to to limit his Paul. And because of that, we have a letter to the church at Rome. That's why he goes on to write and to describe himself as a servant of Christ Jesus. A servant of Christ Jesus. Many of Paul's letters begin with his office. You know, uh, I'm an apostle. Hey, I just want you to know, so I am. I'm, I'm Pastor Meeks. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm Apostle Paul. Uh, but here he begins describing himself to a church he longs to spiritually pour himself into. And after announcing, I'm, hey, I'm Paul, he says, a servant of Christ Jesus. And the word translated servant in the NIV and many other translations, most, dare I say, I would submit is misleading. The word is doulos. And a person, it, it, and it means slave. All right? It means just that, slave. We can sugarcoat it. We can, we can, we can put perfume on the pig, and it's, it's still a pig. And he said what he said. Well, you know, back in the day, look, look, just stop it. Get your nose off the backside of a bark of a tree and just look at the word. He said, I am a, dare I insert, a slave of Christ Jesus. A slave. A person who is legally owned by someone else and whose entire livelihood and purpose was determined by their master. Slave? Gosh, that's such a harsh word. It brings up such wicked, uh, wicked uh, and sinful connotations. One thing I'm going to tip my cap, if I had a cap, to Paul, he knows his audience, and he knows who he's writing to. I read one place where it is estimated that 85 to 90 percent of the residents of Rome were slaves. Nine out of ten people strolling around the streets of Rome were slaves. Think about that. Nine out of ten. Paul didn't know Bob Dylan, but they both knew one thing. You got to serve somebody. You got to serve somebody. A slave, okay, servant, doesn't call the shot. The master does. 
So Paul astutely addresses and identifies with those he's attempting to reach. In this case, primarily non-Jewish Gentile slaves. But I love it. Paul, no doubt, is echoing uh, his Jewish roots because you good theologians, you Bible students know that God through Moses said to the people in the 25th chapter of Leviticus, for the Israelites belong to me as servants. They are my servants. Whom I brought out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. One theologian writes, and I quote, Many of the leaders of Israel, Abraham, Moses, Joshua, David, and Elijah, called themselves God's slaves. Since Jesus has become both Lord and God, now Paul is the slave of Christ Jesus, with emphasis on the messianic office. That's to say, Messiah Jesus. Paul is saying not only that he belongs to Christ, but that he is all, but that this is a privileged state, end quote. So in this simple parenthetical phrase, Paul highlights a privileged position as a slave of the Messiah and identifies with his audience. Let me just drop a point here. Just, just, just one little quick point and I'll keep moving on. As a community of faith, city church, any church, we need to be relevant to the conversations that's going on. We need to be able to identify to the people we profess we say we want to reach. So it does no good to, 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 to pontificate and to say some highfalutin words or to come across in such a way that the person on the street would listen and it's like, what the heck are you talking about? What has this got to do with what's going on in the nation's capital? What does this have to do with me having to lay to rest my loved one because of a coronavirus? What does this have to do because I've got more month than money? We need to be relevant to the community we confess that we say we're trying to reach. I shared before I share now. I'm, I'm, I've, 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 religion as it's been poorly defined, I'm done with that. I'm done with it. I'm all about relationship. Relationship with God and relationship with those that don't know him. I want to share the good news with you because time's short. Eh, when is he coming back? When he comes back. But there's an expiration date on your life. Remember what I said. I am, I am doing those detailed things now to get things in order so that when the, my expiration point comes, I, not, only, not only will all, everything will be tidied up, but then the Lord can say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've done everything that I ask you to do. No more, no less. We think, a lot of us think, that, well, God called me to be uh, Tom Brady, you know, uh, or, or whoever, some, some famous, I'm going to be the one that, you might be the guy or the gal that all your responsibility is, 
is to go fetch a bottle of water and give it to the star player. That's your job. But the team wins. The, the team wins. See, we need to have a bigger, broader understanding of what it means to be a part of a community of faith. Everybody can't be Tom Brady. Everybody can't be the wideout. Everybody can't be the head coach. So, so, so where do we fit? That's why I ask, who are you? Who are we? Um, Paul continues, called to be an apostle and set apart. <laughs> I, I don't want to go down that path, but I'll say this. I just shake my head. Everybody's an apostle now. Everybody. Uh, apostle Smith. Apostle Jones. Apostle... Pa Paul wasn't talking about that here, obviously. The word... The title, the office, had a specific meaning as he was getting. Apostle was someone that was sent, a messenger that was directly commissioned by Christ. Okay? Not set apart as to be above or superior, but selected and assigned for a special assignment. Again, with echoes to the Old Testament, in this case to the prophet Jeremiah, Paul describes himself in the first chapter of his letter to the Galatians that he was set apart, chosen, when? From his mother's womb. I've shared this story before uh, where uh, that would be grandchild number four, no, five. Five, grandchild number five uh, had the temerity to try and rise up against uh, grandma, Ima. Uh, that would be Gail. And uh, <laughs> uh, Gail said, little girl, you don't know who you're messing with. <laughs> she didn't even understand the threat. She said, I don't know who I'm messing with. And with that, Gail had to, uh, she had to just break out and laugh herself. Uh, we don't know who we're messing with, and we don't know who we are. I'm convinced we don't, that we have been chosen. We have been set apart for specific assignment. Uh, in this case, he was chosen from his mother's womb. Well, let's stick with Paul. What was his assignment for the gospel of God? Again, Acts of the Apostle reads, Paul was a chosen instrument to proclaim Christ to the Gentiles and their leaders, as well as the Jews. See, Paul isn't speaking about a vocation. Well, you know, I think I'll go into the preaching business. No, he's like, no, I've got an assignment. He made tents for a living. Yeah, he made tents for a living. And, and again, I'm reminded of my own father. Uh, he, he was the first licensed electrical contractor, African-American in the state of California. The first, number one, whole backstory on that. But that's not who he was. That's what he did. Who he was, was a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why I, I, I can reflect, I just, I, and it just, <laughs> I didn't appreciate it at the time. Teenagers don't, typically, uh, in a panel van, 
air, no air conditioning, riding along from job to job, pulling wire, crawling under floors, crawling through attics, getting itchy with uh, the, the feel of insulation, and listening to my daddy sing songs that he couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. And, uh, but his heart was right in tune with God. And so now I can recall those songs, and I know from where it came. See, a, being an electrician, that was just, that's how I kept the lights on. That's how I fed my family. But I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's, that's what I do. Um, it does beg the question, what's the gospel? What's the gospel? I, don't give me the, dic the dictionary definition. I'm, I, I, we can all read that. But what is the good news as it's expressed in our lived out lives? What is the good news? Dare I say, if I look at too many things on social media, it looks like sad news. It, it, it looks like, uh, oh my goodness, you know, things are falling apart. What, 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 where is the good news lived out, expressed through our lives? As 1 Peter 2.9 reads, since I have been radically called from darkness into his marvelous life, does my life reflect an equally radical change in orientation? If I step out from darkness into light, you see the change. Well, that ought to be expressed, that ought to be lived out in my life. If there's been change. That's, that's, that's when it's like, well, the, the good news is the, the, the death, the burial, the resurrection. What's the good news? Give me the good news. What's the good news? I don't know. Cat died. Things aren't going well. That's not good news. That's, that's not good news. I'm closing. I, uh, I, I'm closing. I know, I know. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. I love how the message version captures this. I, Paul, I'm a devoted slave of Jesus Christ on assignment. Authorized as an apostle to proclaim God's word and acts. I'll ask again. How will our epitaph, our obituary read? Not words on a paper, but our life lived. Has my life been shaped in such a way that I can honestly say that I'm a slave of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Can I say that? Can, can I really say that? If someone were to look at my life, would they know that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection the forgiveness of sins, I've accepted that, and now it's lived out in my life. Will, will people see that? Um, 
not just on Sundays or in small groups with other believers, but do others know, especially those that don't know Christ, can they, can they see in me and conclude that I'm different, that I am a slave of Jesus Christ? I'm done. I, we always, again, we're, we're, the sin in us is always looking for the big. The big, the big stage, the big audience, the big, the big. There was a, uh, I won't call her name because I don't have permission, but she's passed. She's, she's gone on to be with the Lord. As I understand, she was through with uh, religion. Uh, come to understand that she was a Christ follower, but she gave up on organized religion because, uh, in her words, it was so ugly, it was so hateful. Organize religion, proclaimers of good news. You all know her, those that roll with City Church. She was the one that did our photography. She passed in the fall. Tender heart, tender heart, tender heart. Uh, came to know her through our daughter. Uh, she came part of City Church, did our photography, never charged much. And I wanted to use her for our family photos. And if you go to my Facebook site, you'll see her, her work. Um, and I didn't know that in August, when she took the pictures by September, October, she would be gone. I reached out to her the year before, and I just knew, I said, boy, it wouldn't be nice. It's hard to, you know, my family is like herding cats, you know, trying to get us all together and uh, get a picture. And so I asked, I said, uh, what do you charge? Uh, I, what do you charge for uh, um, coming up to, and we were at uh, Lake Tahoe, North Shore, Kings Beach. What would you charge? And uh, I just, before she could even answer, I cut her off. I said, you know what, I can't afford you. And that wasn't a setup. That wasn't like, oh, so I can bait her into giving me some ministerial discount. Uh, she said, uh, I said, I can't afford you. I said, can, as a matter of fact, I asked, can you refer someone to me that's up in Tahoe? And her response to me was, can you afford a tank of gas? That's all she asked for. Just so you know, I gave her more than a tank of gas. Okay. <laughs> but that was our heart. She passed away. I have never in my life, 60 plus years, seen such an outpouring of love and sadness and and acclamation for a person that she was just a photographer. Thousands of likes, thumbs, broken heart emojis, all of that. If you were to go to her site, you touched my life.
you did this, you did that, you did, and it went on and on and on. Thousands of people. She was just a photographer. That's all she was. Just a photographer. What's your obituary going to say? What's it going to say? Let me help you out. It'll say what you do. Let's pray. Father our God, help me. Shape me. Mold me into your perfect image. Continue to chisel away all the ugly parts that is Mark David Meeks. Let me be that glorious reflected light of your son, my savior, Jesus the Christ. Thank you for uh, my sisters and brothers that call City Church their, their home. Thank you for Jesus Christ who does all things well. Be with us this day, this week, and the weeks to come. In a world that seemingly has uh, lost its mind, let us be incredible light. People will look to us, and with us out saying a word, they will come asking, what? must I do to be saved? Thank you. Amen. <laughs>